Praise the Lord, that was great worship time. My voice is popping, not because of the allergies, for singing, right? So uh, praise the Lord, y'all are doing such a great job. And one of the things I wanted to say was, um, what you see up here is people using their spiritual gifts. And God has given them spiritual gifts, and um, the church is benefiting. And that's why we have gifts. We will be talking about that very soon, and I just thought to myself, well, if there's anybody that feels like their spiritual gift isn't being used, you need to talk to me. Um, if, and I'll tell you the best way to know, it's kind of like this. If I wasn't a preacher, if I wasn't a pastor, I would still be talking about Jesus. I'm compelled to talk about Jesus. So I think that would be a gift to have. So if you have something that um, you're not using, you need to let me know because God has you here on purpose. And I was thinking about one of those songs we sang this morning, but I thought about Esther. If you remember the story of Esther, uh, it was for such a time as this that God had her right where she needed to be. God does those things. He still does those things today. So I just want you to know that. Well, if you have your Bibles, um, I'm going to be in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians this morning. And um, I'm just going to go ahead and let you know that this is another one of those passages Believe it or not, I've been preaching for a while. Now, I know you can't tell it, but I'm, I've been preaching for a while, and it's a difficult passage to go through because it just sounds so harsh, and it sounds so, um, I guess, like we're being scolded to an ex extent. We're not, but I want to remind you that Paul, if you remember as we've gone through 1 Corinthians, one of the things that he said to the Corinthian church was this. I am, I'm like a spiritual father to you, and I, so what I think is important to notice about that is he's speaking to them as a father does to his children. And so it takes the edge off because you know that a father is going to speak to his children from the position of love as a general rule. Not always, unfortunately, but as a general rule, that's what it is. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about not being deceived. And it's just an unusual topic. Um, you're, we've been in it for a while. We started in chapter eight. We started talking about food sacrifice to idols. We started talking about all of that stuff. And this has just been an extended passage. And I just hope that this morning what you do is you will take away what God wants you to know. I know that in the world that we live in, there's a lot of confusion about truth. And so this is one of those passages that should kind of put us right back on center and right back on track. So I was thinking about this week when I was thinking about this message. I used to drive a dump truck for the Park County Highway Department. And, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, what's big and yellow and sleeps three? It's a county highway employee, right? Have you ever heard that joke? I know I've heard it a million times. But I used to drive a dump truck. And the reason I drove this dump truck was because it was a stub-nosed uh, converted tractor that would hook up to a trailer that, you know, the stub nose, like half the engine was in the cab, half of it was out. It was one ugly truck. And they put a dump bed on it. And the reason I got to drive it was because I had long arms. And so the gear shift was back here. It was a 10-speed Road Ranger, if you know anything about uh, driving a truck. So, you know, you'd have to, you know, do it like this. Instead of like this, it was like this, you know. And so that meant because the motor was inside the cab with me that it was loud in that cab. And so I had a junky stereo, and I, if you know anything about me, 
you know I like rock and roll music. I can't help it. I wish that I could, I always thought when I was a kid that by the time I was 50 years old, I'd be listening to country music. Well, I'm, I can't. I'm past 50. So um, it's not going to happen. I thought I'd be a lot more mature too, but that hasn't happened either. So anyway, I, I, I like rock and roll music, and what would happen is when I would be doing my rounds, hauling gravel or something, uh, I would, th- this song would come on, and you'd, you know, when you're driving a truck, you just wait for a good song all day long to come on, especially I'm motivated to, for music. I, I just love music. One day, I'll be up here, I'll have my heavenly rhythm and my heavenly voice when we get to heaven. I'll, I'll be able to sing with y'all. But I can't sing, and I don't, I mean, it's just like when they were clapping, I was like trying to watch. But um, anyway, so I waited for that song, this song to come on, and this song would come on, and I heard this guitar riff, man. I mean, this stuff fires me up. You know what I'm saying? I don't know why I'm like this. I mean, I could just, I mean, especially before sports or something, I would, I mean, I would just get fired up before a game listening to that music. I just love it. And this song came on, and it was just a good guitar riff. I could do some air guitar for you. But um, it just, it caught my ear. And I would turn up that stereo. You could just barely hear it. I couldn't hardly hear it. Now, I can have a hard time picking the words out of music because I, I think I got a bit of a learning disability. Sometimes I hear stuff wrong. And so there's a town in Indiana called Rockville. I always used to call it Rockville because I hear stuff wrong. And so I have a difficult time picking out the words of songs. And so this song was by a group called, don't judge me, Alice in Chains. Has anybody ever heard them? Okay. It was called Man in the Box. So one day, I was coming home from work. The song came on in my car, and my car stereo was a little bit better than that dump truck. Turned that thing up, I was just driving home, and for some reason, I was able to hear the words. And in the chorus, it said, deny thy maker. And I was like, wow, now what? You gotta understand, I wasn't living for the Lord And in fact, I wasn't looking for a relationship with the Lord, but I don't know about y'all, my stepdad told me when I was a kid, don't go looking for trouble, you'll find it. I wasn't looking for trouble with the Lord. I knew what that meant. And even though that guitar riff was so amazing, I knew that that meant that I had to turn that song off when I heard it. Now, it would have been easy if I was going to deceive myself and say, it's just a song right? Now, there's times I can say that, but when you hear specifically a phrase like that that says, deny thy maker, there's no doubt what that song is actually tied to. And it's in that moment you have to decide what you're going to do. Are you going to go ahead and take part in something like that, or are you going to turn it off? You know, a lot of Christians today, I know many great people, some of them, right? Some of them, But great people, they will tell you, oh, it's just music. Get over it. Don't worry about it. Now, I'm not against secular music, but when it comes to somebody denying Jesus Christ, now we have a problem, right? It's not just music when I hear that. You know, I was sitting with a group of pastors not too long ago, and I'd say a couple years ago, actually, and one of the uh, meetings I was in, 
there was somebody had come, and they wanted to share with us, and this was, these were pastors, um, Church of God, Baptist, Wesleyan, just everybody, non-denom, all this stuff. We were sitting in a restaurant, and this lady came to share with us about us all joining together to minister to homeless. And I thought, well, that's a no-brainer. We, we're all supposed to do that, right? We're all supposed to do that. And I'll never forget, she had this passion, and I loved it that she had this passion to minister to the homeless. And so while she was talking, she started talking about it was an interfaith ministry. Y'all understand what that means? That means that people who serve other gods are joining with those who serve Jesus Christ. So I'm listening to this. Now, y'all might just think I'm legalistic, and that's okay. You can think what you want about me, but I know one thing. I'm not looking for trouble from the Lord, and if you are, you'll find it, right? I'm not looking for trouble from Jesus Christ. Now, I know we don't ever hear that because we only hear that he just wants to let it all go, right? But this lady started saying this interfaith, would, these interfaith ministries would take part we would join together to work with the homeless. Once I listened to it, I looked around, and nobody said anything. And I just looked at her, and I said, I'm sorry. I love what you're doing, and it is a good work, but I am not gonna align my church with any other faith out there because there's only one God. There is no other God. There's no other name under heaven you can be saved through. And she looked at me, and that's okay. But I'll tell you, there are Christians who would have said to me, you have forsaken the work of God because of your legalism. Now, if they're, if they're right, I, I apologize. But if they're wrong, it's because they've been deceived. So when you start thinking about being deceived, one of the things that should stand out to you in your mind is that when we talk about these things, we've been going through 1 Corinthians, we know that Paul is talking to, understand the audience, these are people who have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. These are people who have experienced the Lord. These are people who have spiritual gifts, actually, that are operational within their church, and they've been baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. And Paul is warning them to not be deceived. So if you've been following along, you know that what we've been talking about is division in the church. We've been talking about people, the Corinthian people in particular, who believe that they could go ahead and commit sin only because God is only saving their soul. Because they would say, look, God doesn't care about the physical, it's all gonna burn up when Jesus comes back. He is only saving the soul. So they would say, it's no big deal. But remember what Paul was saying, look, you need to know something, Corinthians. God wants all of you. You don't just give him your heart and, and your soul and the physical part you're in charge of. He wants to be Lord of the whole of you. And so, while this is going on, we got into a section a couple weeks ago about the Corinthians who were wanting to go to feasts 
where meat was dedicated to idols. And what we saw was that in that passage, Paul was kind of alluding, really, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. And so we realized that maybe something is up because we know in Acts chapter 15, they, that the apostles in Jerusalem say, don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. And so Timothy was talking about rights, rights. Right? Remember what we said? And, and the theme that we've been operating under is why not rather be wronged for the sake of Jesus Christ in the church, right? Timothy talked about rights last week and talked about how not everything that we may think that we have a right to is beneficial to us or to the church or to the kingdom of God. And so we got in there, so now we're in chapter 10, and I'm on chapter 11 here, but in chapter 10, uh, before that, right at the end of chapter nine is where I'm not going to cover. But I will read this, this isn't going to be on the overhead, so just listen to this last sentence. Paul talking about running this race, and this is what he says. He says, I do all this, oops, I'm in the wrong one. He says, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, listen to this, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Now, I'm just taking this at face value. But I'm thinking to myself, if anybody's going to heaven, it's the Apostle Paul. I mean, I, none of us are anywhere near the Apostle Paul, but Paul is running the race, meaning he's living his life to make sure that he doesn't miss the prize. What is the prize? A big mansion in heaven like we talk about, or is it salvation? So now we're establishing who this warning passage is, is directed to. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read, I believe, verse 13 to 24 in chapter 10. I can't cover all of chapter 10, I wish I could. We gotta move on though. But I'm taking a piece of three different sections of chapter 10 and I'm gonna to try to work with that and hopefully we can understand how important it is for us not to be deceived. I'm gonna read verse 13, this is what it says. <clears throat> no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You should highlight that. Verse 14. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf. We, who are many, are one body. For we all share the one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Now we're establishing some context. Coming right back to it. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean then that food sacrificed to an idol is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not God. And I do not want you to be participants 
with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? I have the right to do anything. Back to answering questions. I have the right to do anything you say. But not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. You should highlight that too. Let me show you the first thing I want you to see this morning. Don't be deceived. God always has a way out of sin. So probably what you should be thinking is this may be something contrary to what you've heard before. I'm aware of that. We hear that these days, that we can't help but sin. But I want you to understand the context again of what Paul is saying to the Corinthian church. These are people who were saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. They were baptized into his name. They've been taking part, did you catch the part, with communion? They've been taking part in all the rituals. And Paul, the piece I didn't read, he's established a context about the Israelites. And so what Paul was saying then is that the Israelites, when they were rescued from Egypt, I mean, just you got to follow the train of thought here to understand this. When they were rescued from Egypt, what did they, what did they see? They saw with their own eyes what God did to the Egyptians and to the Pharaoh. They saw how God literally by his own strength, not their strength, delivered them out of the hands of Pharaoh and the Egyptians and slavery. They got out into the desert, remember? They followed the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. They were literally right behind God's presence. They're walking out into the desert. Then when they get into the desert, God feeds them the bread from heaven. Remember this? And the problem starts that they desired the food in Egypt. Do you remember that? And they got punished for that. Remember, these are the people that God said, you are my chosen people out of all of the earth. You are my chosen people. I'm going to be your God and you will be my people. In fact, I'm going to be your inheritance and you're going to be my inheritance. And so once they get out into the desert a little more, what they do? They, they stopped at Mount Sinai and remember what the story says, they actually heard, every Israelite heard with their own ears they saw, now they're hearing, they heard with their own ears the Ten Commandments from God himself. Remember that? And last Wednesday night, we just picked up on where they actually, 70 elders, actually saw God in the throne room on top of the mountain, and they sat down and ate dinner with him. Now, when they go a little further, now Paul's referencing something else here. They go a little further, in Numbers chapter 25, I believe, they actually get caught up because they think that they are God's people. They're not worried about anything, even though they've, been, they've seen a few hiccups along the way, but they take part in worshiping the Baal of Peor and also committing sexual immorality with the women 
who worship the bell of Peor. You know what God does? He punished them. This is the context. This is the context. So the reason I'm telling you is because it seems like they had deceived themselves into thinking that God would not do anything. Remember the guy, my old brother, where art thou? When he gets baptized, I just love it. He, he comes out of that, that pond or that lake and he looked at, looked at the other guy and he said, I've been baptized, the Lord done washed away all my sins. Neither God nor man can hold anything against me now. Remember him saying that? In other words, I'm untouchable to God and I'm untouchable to, to the law, right? That's what he was saying, but he was deceiving himself. We, we learned that because he wasn't untouchable to the law and he certainly isn't untouchable to the Lord, okay? So God always has a way out of sin, right? So what we find is a lot of people will say, combined with the idea that they are bought with Jesus' blood, a lot of people, just like the Corinthians, will say, well, I can't help but commit sin. The problem is you just read what I read. Have you heard people tell you, you're gonna go home and commit sin? Well, you are if you're not Jesus's. Now, I, now as I'm gonna just pause that for a second, and I wanna say something to you. Nobody's perfect, okay? God's grace, this is why we are in need of God's grace. We're growing in God's grace. When I find myself doing wrong, I always remember right back to the moment I made up my mind to do wrong, and then I realized that God actually had a way out for me, but I ignored it. Because I deceived myself into thinking, I'll just do it this time, and what I'll do is ask God for forgiveness. You think Christians are being deceived like this? Is this something Christians should worry about? What if the church started worrying about sin again? I'll bet you one thing. I'll bet people would start loving each other and loving God in the church again, wouldn't they? The right way. Don't be deceived. God always has a way out of sin. Otherwise, if he doesn't, then Paul lied, and we might as well take the black highlighter to what we just read. God doesn't tell you you can do what you can't do. Let's look at the next thing I want you to see. Don't be deceived, worship outside of Christ is demonic. Now, wow, I feel like a 95-year-old preacher. Um, I, I'm not trying to preach, you know, hell's fire or anything like that. That's not what I'm doing. We are learning from Paul what's important for us as believers and as a church. And so Paul was saying to the Corinthians, he was saying, listen, you are trying to have it both ways. You are trying to come in and actually take part in the Lord's Supper, right? He, you heard the allusion to it. He's talking about communion. You're trying to come in and take communion with Jesus Christ, and you're trying to go and eat meat sacrificed to idols, 
Now remember earlier in chapter eight, it looked like he was saying, it's really not a good idea to eat meat sacrificed to idols, right? Well, now he's saying don't do it. And I'm just gonna pause right there, and I'm just gonna tell you, my goal is not to talk about demonic activity because it's easy to be deceived with that stuff. It is real, it happens. And remember, these people, these spirits are not trying to deceive people who are lost. Y'all understand? The goal is to try to take from God's people. Understand why this is important for us to know. So Paul says, when you come in and you take communion, what you're doing is when we eat from the one loaf, what we're doing is we're recognizing that we are united with Jesus Christ and each other. If you've ever looked at our website, you'll see a value statement that says one of the things that we value as a people here at Hilltop Wesleyan Church is that the greatest gift we have to offer outside of Jesus Christ is the gift of ourselves. And this is why we say that. Because what we might be doing very often in the American church is taking communion and we're only thinking about myself, right? We're only thinking about ourselves. We're thinking from, about it from an individualistic perspective. But what it's all about is, yes, we're remembering what Jesus did for us, no doubt. We're reminded about the sacrifice he gave on our behalf. We're also remembering this is where we would be without Jesus. We're reminding ourselves that it's better that we are with Jesus because it was tougher without him. Then what we're doing is we're also saying, and we are united with each other as one. Out of the many, we are one, right? in the loaf, which then cuts to the point where we started this discussion out several weeks ago, the church is not divided, it's united. And so what Paul said then is because we are recognizing that when you sit down and you try to have food that was sacrificed to another idol or to another God, you are actually being united with demonic activity. So, just go back to what I said at the start. When I hear the phrase in my, one of my favorite guitar riffs I've ever heard in my life, right? When I hear that phrase, deny thy maker, I know that that means that they are united with Satan. I know it. Once I hear that, I no longer listen to it, I turn the radio off. And the reason I do it is because by the same way that I recognize that I'm united with Jesus and the people of God by taking communion, I'm going to be united with those who are doing evil before the Lord if I take part in listening to something like that or doing something well beyond that that is certainly connected to evil. Once you know that it's connected to evil, it is the same as food sacrificed to idols. Stop doing it. Because what we're learning is that you're deceiving yourself if you're doing this, 
that if you think you can have it both ways, you're already deceived because you can't have it both ways. You're either with Jesus or you're with the enemy. And I'm gonna tell you something, the enemy wants to destroy you. That's the grand deception. There's nothing good for you there. You know, you think about what they were doing. They were taking and eating meat sacrificed to idols. They were taking part in that temple worship there. And just like the Bell of Peor, they were committing sexual immorality with each other. All of that stuff is tied to demonic activity. Is it okay that I'm saying this? I really, this is where I wish I knew what you all were thinking. Because I can tell you right now, there's probably a a theologian out there that would say, I'm being ridiculous. And I confess that to you this morning. But I'm reading the word of God and I know how to read. If y'all think that I'm reading this wrong, you need to tell me. But I think it's pretty clear what we're hearing. When you dabble in other things outside of Christianity, you are starting to tie yourself to evil. And did you hear what Paul said? Are you stronger than God? Are you going to arouse him to jealousy? Because remember what I said, the Israelites, God said, I'm your inheritance, you'll be my inheritance. What Jesus says to us is, I'm your groom, you are my bride. I am the head of the church, you're my people, I have bought you at a price. You don't unite yourself with anything other than Jesus Christ. And that's why we didn't take part in helping the homeless with the interfaith ministry. If I'm legalistic, praise the Lord. But I'm not taking chances because I fear the Lord in a healthy way. Now if you're rejecting Christ, then that's on you, you reject him. But you're doing it knowingly. But out of ignorance, many times, people don't realize what they're doing. And when I say ignorance, I just mean unknowing, not knowing what God's word says. Let's look at the last thing I want you to see. You're all probably thinking, I'm not coming back next Sunday. Um, But let's look at the last thing I want you to see. Don't be deceived. A sinful heart thinks it can stop before the act of sin. I'm gonna tell you, I lived in this when I was a youth pastor, okay? This, this right here, did you hear what Paul said? Um, no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Now, why that's important, you remember all the way back to chapter eight, what Paul said was, look, if me eating meat sacrificed to idols is going to cause a weaker brother to stumble, I'm gonna put it aside because I don't want to mess up Somebody I'm trying to win to Jesus Christ. And if somebody has just come to Jesus Christ, I don't want to deter them. I don't want them to be fooled into thinking it's okay, so I I don't do it. If me drinking a Mountain Dew is something that bothers someone's conscience, then we gotta stop drinking it. Because it's we're abstaining, right? We're abstaining out of, not because I'm trying to look holy, I'm not playing charades, what I'm doing is I'm actually loving my neighbor. I value you so much, I value you more than me, right? So this is the idea, so what he's saying then for the Corinthians who were saying, okay, um, because this is an answer to the questions that's being asked, you know, you say this, you heard that in the reading. He says, by saying this, he goes, look. In other words, he's saying, don't be looking for an excuse 
to commit sin. You're saying, well, nobody does that. Well, I'll tell you this. The Pharisees, one of the things that they were notorious for was they were always looking for a loophole in the law so they could do what they wanted to do. Remember what Jesus said? You're full of dead man's bones. That's what he said. You're doing all these holy things, but you're not really God's. And what made them not God's was their heart. Their heart had deceived them. They thought they were earning themselves into something and still getting what they actually wanted. The fact that you actually look for a loophole means you might as well break the law. It's the same way when youth ministry, when kids would ask me, now if I do this, is this sin? Well, what about, well, but Scott, what about this? Is that, is that sin? Remember, have you, ever, have you ever had these discussions? They happen all the time. I mean, can I go this far? And here's the thing. What Paul is saying is this. You are deceiving yourself if you think desiring that is okay and going just as far as you can before you commit sin. The moment you committed sin is when you desired it. This is why Jesus says it's not enough to avoid committing adultery. You have to not want to. Now, this is hard stuff. So let me just kind of clean this up a little bit. If you're somebody this morning that says, wow, that's everything that I do, okay? Um, all I'm doing is enlightening you so that you're no longer deceived, okay? That's all we're doing. And, and, and the whole point of the atonement of Christ is so that we can know right from wrong. We are not trapped into having to sin. Now, he saves us, right? He forgives us, but he doesn't give us that ticket to go out and continue to sin. It's, I mean, there's nobody would do that. I mean, I'm already thinking about the people, I don't want to be political, forgive me if I sound a little bit, but I'm already thinking about the, the men who, who stormed the beaches of Normandy. There's no way they gave their lives so that we could live like this, like we're doing now. No way. So just that fact alone from a human perspective, there's no way that God sends his son to the cross so that you can still uh, take part with dem demons and commit the sin that you want to. No way. No way. So if you're someone who's thinking, I struggle with a lot of this stuff, I want you to know something. God's grace, it really is amazing. That's why I think that we sing that song. God's grace will save us. When I was in Indiana this last week, I saw some of my old friends, and I'm gonna tell you something, I'm reminded that I can hardly believe that the Lord would wanna have a relationship with me. I, I mean, I'll tell you, this time up in Indiana, I thought, I was a scoundrel. I mean, I don't know what else word to use but to tell you I was rotten. And I'm telling you, the fact that the Lord wanted to have a relationship with me, I honestly can't believe it. I don't deserve it. And I, even with the way I live now, I still don't deserve it because I know who I am on the inside, right? We all know who we are. So God wants to save you. He is able to help you. If you are struggling with the idea that there's something that you keep doing 
that's sinful and you don't know if that means that you are um, gonna be lost for eternity, one thing I want you to know, you're not, while you have breath, God wants to help you. And let me tell you, here's how we do it. It starts with turning that radio off for me on that song. I turned it off. Now, the song didn't get out of my head immediately, did it? So what I had to do is I turned on something else. I kind of cleansed myself, might listen to some Christian music. I'm gonna tell you, some Christian music, I watch out for that too. Pretty self-centered. When my kids were kids, I told them you have to listen to Christian music. One day, I said, listen, here's what I'm gonna do for you. I want you to learn how to decide what's good and what's bad for yourself. I'm not gonna shield you from something. I'm gonna coach you to understand how and when you have to make a right decision and turn something off because we can't get away from the world, okay? But when we're doing that, the Lord in his, the mystery that apparently Katrina and Timothy talked about, the mystery is what I can't really describe to you. When I give the effort to get away from something, God's going to begin to help me, okay? He'll do it for you. If you're someone this morning who says, Pastor, I think you're very legalistic or very um, polarized for you to think that there are, that Jesus is the only way to heaven or to think that maybe you shouldn't have helped out the homeless by helping people who may worship Allah or Buddha, well, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm, gonna let, I'm, I'm willing to take what the Lord is going to give to me about that. We can still help the homeless, but we're not gonna validate the fact that those false gods are, are, are true. There's no other God besides Jesus. This is all deception. I'll probably get knocked off Facebook for 30 days. That's okay. But I'm telling you, there's no other God besides Jesus. That's why we're gonna be celebrating Advent and we're gonna recognize that Jesus came to this earth, he was God, came to this earth in flesh and dwelt among us. And now we know who God is, and I'm gonna tell you something, this entire book wouldn't have been written if God didn't care if people believed in other gods. God has been trying to reveal who he is to all of us so that we are not deceived. Don't believe that stuff. Jesus Christ is it. So if you're struggling with that, I encourage you to read the Bible. If you're struggling with trying to figure out how far you can go to, commit, to keep from committing sin, but still doing something that may be questionable, then you need to stop. And if you don't stop, you need to understand your heart isn't right with the Lord. You know what God wants to do? He wants to, he wants to help you and cleanse you of that. Because you know what sin does? It harms you and the people who love you around you. That's what it does. And God wants to save us from that. We'll see. If you have any questions after service, always ask me. But I know this, if the American church would start rediscovering what God's word actually says, I honestly believe we would begin to see things happen in our world today that might even seem miraculous. But there's no way God is gonna honor a people who are trying to have it both ways. He's not going to do it. 
if the American church would just sell out completely to the Lord, I believe healing would begin in our churches and it would spill out into America and to the world. But it's not going to happen until we choose this day whom we're going to serve, either Jesus or false gods or ourselves. So right now, with all heads bowed, eyes closed, this is where you have to decide. If you're on a fence this morning and you don't know which side to fall down, I encourage you to fall down the side with Jesus. If you're wanting to reject the Lord, I pray that you don't, but understand the significance of the decision. But I will tell you, in my case, when I finally quit rejecting Jesus Christ, my life turned around in a great way. And everything that I experienced up to that point was no longer anything in my life. I had something to look forward to. Surrender yourself to him right now. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now. We're so grateful for your word. Lord, I pray that it has been spoken correctly. It's an awkward thing, Father. You know this, to tell the truth. And it's not always popular, but Lord, I pray that we would all begin to discover your truth and begin to share it with others so that others won't be deceived. Lord, don't allow my heart to deceive me into doing wrong against you, Lord, and to think it's okay. I pray that if there's anybody within the sound of my voice struggling with anything I've said, Lord, the Holy Spirit would speak to them, and I pray that you would encourage them to read it for themselves, Lord. I pray that you'd go with us now too, Lord. Help us to take what we've heard into the world and be back again Wednesday and Sunday. For it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. God's people said, amen.